0: And welcome to an episode of the Who's in Your Corner Show. I'm your host, Charlie Quinn, here with my co-host Nick Polanish.
1: What's up, people?
0: Today we're in a special location. We're at Headstrong Fitness with Joe Sarno. Joe.
1: What's up, guys? How you doing? Happy so to have you on, bro. How you doing? I'm all right, man. I'm all right. We just finished up a session. You guys saw
2: Yeah, uh, no, we saw guys. a couple people leaving out of here.
1: Yeah. Leaving out of and here. It, and it's tired. like that
2: all day, like just in and out.
1: Uh yes and no. Yes, I try to um I'm trying to consolidate a lot of my times. So that I'm not here all day. Mm-hmm. That was a big problem at first is that I was so spread out that I was spread really too thin.
2: Okay. And I wasn't
1: able to give the same quality to everybody that I would like to. So that's something I've been working on as individual, as a business owner.
2: And just individual attention as well, just during the class. No as doubt.
1: You. Absolutely. Yeah, you have to.
0: So uh, like, what's what's a normal Monday for you at Headstrong Fitness? Like
1: Normal Monday. Uh, so uh, as you guys know, I'm also a teacher. Yeah. So I do this in... Supplemental being a teacher and usually I'm a coach for uh time high school, cool. so Thankfully in a way I don't have to worry about running to practice as of right now. Mm-hmm. I trust and believe me I wish I was coaching football right now. It's, it's my passion. It's what I love to do But a day for me right now is I'm up first alarm my it uh, hits at 4 55 a.m I'm here opening the doors by 5 25 first class starts 5 35 Um, second class starts 6.30. Then I'm at school from 8 to 2.20 we get out. Then from 3 o'clock, I'm here. I usually have a 3 or 4. Um, 5, 6. I give myself time to eat some dinner from 6.30. Yeah, I was going to say, dude, what are you (laughs) eating? 7 (laughs) to 7.30. I'm sorry. I give myself a half hour. So basically, if I don't prepare prepare food ahead of time, I'm beat. I'm not eating anything anyway. And then I have, um... Oh, on Mondays, I'm actually done by like seven, seven thirty. Um, but on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I take a little bit longer. I'll go until eight thirty, and then I'll clean the place, wipe it up, down, obviously
2: every day. Yeah. And Close. was it cool? You played, um, like you said, football is your passion. How long did you play football for?
1: So I played actually. I was lucky enough to play throughout college too. So I was able to play for four years in college. Obviously, I played. Um, you got to play high school to play college. Yeah, so I played high school and then I played. I was playing, I started playing ball in fourth grade. Yeah, so it's it's a long time. And it's a long time to create some great habits and to create some bad ones too. Yeah, no. So I I was lucky to create a lot more good than bad.
2: Okay, yeah, like definitely disciplined. Like that's how you feel like. No doubt. That's exactly what
1: I, I convey here a lot is accountability and discipline just because that's also something that you don't realize. A lot of people crave that.
2: Yeah. So a lot of people
1: crave just having someone hold them accountable. Yeah. You know, and that goes... More than actual training, yeah. You know, no, more yeah. than uh, you know, in a football term, like X and O's. Think about it. All the great coaches in your life, think about them. They are better people than they were necessarily coaches. Yeah. yeah. If they were great with X and O's, that's a plus. You know, yeah, that's no, awesome. A plus, yeah. But perfect example is Coach Mattis at C was a great influence to me just because of his mentality, just because what he brought to the table in that aspect. You know, I may not have learned a single play from him, but I tell you what—I took my mindset everywhere I went. I went to college football. I builds character. Like basically, that's what it does. It's a violent
0: game played by violent men. No doubt. His famous. No doubt.
1: No doubt. You take that everywhere you go.
0: How was uh, how was the rivalry game? I know Cortland plays in a really really big uh, rivalry
1: game. Yeah, so we have a game. It's we call it the biggest little game in the nation. It's called Cortica. Uh, So it's Cortland SUNY Cortland versus. the College of Ithaca. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're separated by something like like twenty miles or like twenty minutes, something like that. And the game's been going on for definitely longer than I've been alive. I think it's something it's something close to like like 80 is years. Is this like, like, it, like the same like as
2: like She's the Man? You ever see that movie? She's the man? Is the, the two man. colleges? Oh, yeah, the two colleges. so is one
1: of them named Ithaca? I don't know. I don't know if one of them is. The I know. Uh, that's I'm great po- first I'm of all probably <laughs> shot. Fantastic movie. Of... <laughs> fantastic I'm movie. Great. But I don't know if it's called Ithaca. Um <laughs> But yeah, that's like that game. Actually, my I think it was either my junior or my senior year, that game was supposed to get broadcasted by uh like college football. Uh-huh. Like they were supposed to come down and do college uh, game day. <laughs> that's what it's college game day. So it's it's legit. Sure. It's, it's legit. It's yeah, legit. no, it's
0: like a really they played it at MetLife couple a couple times. Atmosphere. Like it's a really so we had
1: um so they actually did that to – Inside information. They did that to break the college football attendance record,
2: uh-huh. and they did. There you go. They did. They did Yeah. So they
1: filled up. If you can imagine it, the entire first level of MetLife and the entire second level of MetLife. That's crazy. All yeah. fans fill the whole thing up for a, for a college football game. It, it feels crazy. like, and in that that atmosphere, getting there. I actually. So that day was a wacky one for me. I coach, obviously, first time. All right. So I was coaching in a playoff game at Todd you know? We, I think we were playing Wagner at the time. No, right? it's
2: always beef. So, <laughs> it's always yeah. So,
1: <laughs> Wagner, we were uh, we were pretty good. We were yeah. pretty good two years ago. We ended up going to the championship. Yeah. So we beat Wagner in the first round of the playoffs, and right after that game, I actually drove straight to MetLife, straight from Tontonville High School, straight to MetLife and caught the second half. The quarterback. Uh, so and i'm so thankful i did because everything's going on now
0: yeah that's the last big that's game the I last I thing you oh yeah <laughs> you wow know, that's, that's the last environment i saw i don't man. even
1: know like the last
2: big event i went to like <laughs> seriously that's so and you so like you now have this this great gym this beautiful gym it's awesome in here dude and actually like Bad seeing event. the bags and all that what made you start really like when did you really start focusing more on training and so,
1: Other than football. Yes, yeah, so good question. So I've always had a passion for training. I've always loved to do it. My family's always done it. Like my dad is still lifting like now and he's, he's 62. So he's like, <laughs> so <we laughs> are, I've been painted in the YMCA weight room for years, for my entire life. And I've just, I've had so many coaches throughout the years. I've taken so many things from each coach that, to be honest with you over the beginning of quarantine you got to get creative with stuff yeah. yeah and i started to realize a little bit before quarantine I, I started to train my sister and my sister's friend a little bit and and they were great they were awesome clients they got into really really good shape with it um but i kind of started to realize i kind of had a knack for being creative like that so I, I would take a set of bands and i had in my garage we had weights because my dad's a sicko um <laughs> we had Maybe 50-pound dumbbells. That's how much we used to screw them up to. That's what it was. And I was putting it up, and it was to the point where I'm a guy that benches 225 for, like, 12 reps, usually. Mm -hmm. Something around there, give or take. Humble brag. (laughs) Humble brag, I guess. (laughs) Right? Um, I was taking these 50s with all the bands wrapped around my back, and I was making it struggle to get, like, three to five. Yeah. So I I was just able to get creative with it. And, you know, it, it took off. It was a need for a lot of people. And I was just, I was happy to be able to be able to, oh, like, do yeah. it.
2: Yeah, no, because a lot of people need to get creative, like, with their home workouts and stuff like that, because a lot of people don't know, like, really what the fuck to do. Like, they are sitting there struggling. So, like...
1: Yeah. And, and you're sitting there struggling, and you're getting worse, as it is. So, yeah, no. As time goes by, it's... The more time that you're not starting to do something is the more time that you're letting go by, right? The more time that you are enabling yourself to get worse, really.
2: Yeah. What would you say is, like, the best thing to, like, do,
0: like... For
1: somebody doing a homework app.
0: Like with no no equipment at all.
1: Oh, definitely. So in my opinion, get creative, go online. Mm-hmm. because You have so many resources. Yeah. The Internet's a crazy thing. Yeah. Right? Go online, look up stuff. You can do it. It's all the information is there, right? Mm-hmm. And all the information is there. It's just a matter if you want to put the time in, if you have the time yeah. to put in, to go look into it. You know, and I think, I mean, you could hear from every training world. Health is my health. Might be the most expensive thing, in the good aspect and in the bad aspect too, because if I get unhealthy, now that's real fucking expensive. Ooh, excuse me, right? That's real expensive. Man. Don't
0: worry, you can curse. <laughs> <laughs> Just every other sentence is so.
1: <laughs> so yeah, it's like if if you're get if you are getting healthy, then yeah, you know, having a trainer is expensive. It mm-hmm. is. Yeah. You know, eating healthy is expensive. Doing all those things right is expensive. But it's also expensive on your life to not do those things. No, exactly. You know, if you're not gonna be a guy that's gonna go out or a girl that's gonna go out and go exercise and look up the right ways for your body to exercise, yeah, then you're hurting yourself in the long run. And that's stuff that matters.
0: Now let me ask you a question. What is it more important to take care of your body post workout or before workout? Like do you recommend taking like pre workout and stuff like that? Is that bad for you necessarily? Um, I do not. So my
1: um, my thing is, and I took this from from C too. You got to be jacked up every time you go in the weight room. You don't need a you don't need any funny substance. You don't need no blue C four to do that. You got to be excited every time you get here. So I personally don't. I actually don't drink caffeine. I, I take not that. all like no coffee. No, no I don't. I don't drink coffee or anything like that. I, I don't take any caffeine whatsoever. I try. What, I, what I've found is that when I drink caffeine, then it allows me to compensate a lot of other ways in my diet and in what I'm doing. So if I have caffeine, for example, so say I have a cup of coffee in the morning. Right now, that's enabling my breakfast to suck because I don't need the energy from the food of my breakfast. It's also enabling the rest of my day, I don't need to have a gallon of water. I don't need to drink excess water because, again, I don't need the energy, mm-hmm. Right. And you're getting energy and caffeine from a bad place as opposed to the natural stuff like regular foods and water. Yeah. So I I've, I cut out caffeine a while ago. I mean, everybody's human. I'll have a cup of coffee. But I'm, if I'm driving across country, I'll have a cup of coffee. Like, yeah, don't, go, yeah. don't go crazy. <laughs> well, like, I got to stay up like that. That's different. But if I'm living a normal day, I'll, I'll try my best not to have any.
0: Fair enough.
2: I was just like – you said you got very innovative with your workouts and stuff like that. Who do you really, like, look at, would you say? Well, um, Yeah, no, this
1: is a good question. Like,
2: how to really, like, explain it? Just you're saying guys like mentors, right? Yeah, like that. How do, like, to look up workouts and stuff like that. That's yeah. the same things they do.
1: No, definitely. So one thing you got to make sure is that when you're doing these workouts is you can get really – people can get really, really caught up in, like, everything being a high-intensity interval mm-hmm. training workout. And that's great in moderation. Yeah. So that's great. But everything should be based around a strength program, a confident yeah. strength program that can progress you as you go, mm-hmm. because if you're not progressing and it's not a visible progression for people, they're never going to stick with it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: right? You can lose a bunch of weight doing high intensity stuff, but not a lot of people can do 20 burpees a session for 20 years. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's a real hard discipline yeah. to have. right? But you being able to go to the gym and build a strength program is a different ballgame. So somebody that I've looked at is I look at a lot of um, a lot of guys with the CSCS degree, which is great. It's um, Certified Strength Conditioning. Mm-hmm. So uh, one guy I look at is my coach, um, Coach Mahoney. You look him up, Mahoney Advanced Training. He's incredible. He posts a ton of stuff on Instagram. His website's filled with all sorts of weightlifting tips. It's filled with a um, hundred different movements for each body part. He's insane. <laughs> And then another guy that I look at on Instagram is um, Varsity House, actually Varsity House Gym out in New Jersey. I think they're actually they're Orangeburg, New York, uh, New York, which is like right in, uh, in right over Jersey. Uh, they're great because they're exactly what I aspire to be, mm. right? So they're a performance facility, but they don't just train athletes; they train adults too. And but the biggest thing is they train their adults like they're their athletes. You know, there's there should be never a discrepancy. There should be a difference between if I train Charlie Quinn the athlete or I train Charlie Quinn the dad. You yeah. know what I mean? There should be no difference there. I, should, for, I gotta bring it. God times. forbid
0: for the record. Right. God yeah. forbid. <laughs> <Big Jewish>. Charlie <laughs> came one time, man.
1: He said, that's a never-again thing for him. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's like you can't have that difference. It's gotta be, you gotta give your all to A and you gotta give your all to B at all times.
0: Mm. So going back to like the the coach thing and motivational speaking. I see you post about the man in the arena a lot. What does that mean to you and like what is so what's the significance of it? What's so important about it?
1: Dude, it, it's the man in the arena is a great quote. It's actually it was it wasn't shown to me, but it was brought back into my attention by um by Pete Rodriguez. Pete Rodriguez is a guy that I train with on Saturday mornings with Coach Mahoney. Okay. Um any coach that doesn't have a coach by the way then they're getting worse. You gotta, have, you gotta have somebody they constantly learn from. You gotta, because you gotta surround yourself with great people, and that's what my, that's what advanced training is all about, it's just surrounding yourself with great people. So Pete brought it up in the chat one day, and I was like, wow, that's a great quote. That's a great one. And for those of you that don't know, uh, the man in the arena is all about being the guy that's the boots on the ground, being the guy that is in the arena physically in battle. And that's the guy that you wanna be. You don't wanna be the critic that is watching them, if we fail, you don't want to be the guy that's cheering them on. If we win, you want to be the guy that is in the arena, do it either failing fast and learn moving on or winning fast. Right. So that was a, that was a great quote for me. I actually used that for my Tottenville high school, um, defensive meetings. That was on, I think my second meeting, I took that quote, I put it on the back and I made the kids read it just to open up the meeting and get the, you know, get the juice flowing over it.
0: Yeah, for sure.
2: Um, when we, when we came in here, you, you had a few people leaving and stuff like that. How would you say, like, your relationship is really with your clients? With, are you, like, like really cool with them, like, very hard on them, just at the same time, but just very moderate?
1: Yeah, so my thing with, with all my clients is I'll treat everybody the same. It's not, you know, like, those guys are those guys are my friends. Those yeah. guys are, you know, they were, really, first off, they were with me since day one. So they've trusted me for, for months now, and I'll, I'm forever grateful for that. Awesome. Just because Deep they, like that. you know, you put trust in me, and I'll always reciprocate that back. Cool, And... That goes for them that goes for everybody else that I train mm-hmm. you know I try to keep it as professional as possible you know because at the end of the day this is this is a business yep it is so um, but at the same time you have to they have to know that you care
2: yeah
1: right and that's one of the biggest things that I learned in sports and I learned it you know through I guess you could say trial and error is the coaches that you love, they had a sense of care so yeah. coach Mahoney, coach Manos, coach Clark, I knew they cared. And that's why I played harder for them. That's why I wanted to be the best Joe Sarno that I could be. Yeah. Because they genuinely cared about me. Mm-hmm. More than just Joe Sarno, the football player. They cared about me as Joe Sarno. Your person. well-being,
2: yeah. Exactly. exactly. And that's – That goes a long way with somebody. No doubt. No that, doubt about You take it, that. Man. like Exactly. Like I had coaches for like, while wow, that I still talk to to this day. That's, yes, sir. And that's good to like have people like that in your corner, really.
1: Yes. No Not doubt. for nothing,
0: it probably makes you a better coach too. Absolutely. Oh, Absolutely. definitely. Think that's
1: about like, it without having that feeling of
0: they having the someone
1: in a, in a sick way, like having somebody care for you. Yeah, that's not your immediate family. Having someone that's a, that's really an outsider come out and really, for lack of a better words, give a shit. Yeah, you know, man, you're yeah, with no. them every day no. too.
0: It's like over and over and over. And really, putting absolutely. your trust, and in... that
2: gives you like the accessibility to like give that to
1: somebody else yes. like, and pass that on. Right? No, no doubt about it. Man. You got to learn. You got to learn first to be able to pass it on. No so, doubt.
0: Take us through uh, your coaching background. What what made you get back into football and coaching after uh, after your playing career ended? Of course. Yeah. So
1: my um my coach my life was I, I've always wanted to be a coach and it's because obviously I've had great coaches my yeah. entire life so I always wanted to be like them I always wanted to be able to reciprocate that that sense of care mm-hmm. to a kid like myself or a kid that's not like myself where a kid that's not like necessarily a star athlete or I'm not saying I'm a star athlete but. Not somebody that's going to start every game, yeah. you know, the same guy that is not playing every game or is just playing specials or stuff like that should feel the same way as the kid that's going to D1 or going to D3 or playing college, you know? So when I was in college, I studied physical education. Yeah. So I, that's obviously I'm a physical education teacher. Um, one of our prereqs is to coach. And if you're a physical education teacher, you're in it to coach. Yeah. You know? There's very, very few physical education majors that do not want to coach a sport. Um, if they are I don't know any so I coached I wanted to coach straight out of college I did my student teaching actually at Tottenville High school as my first placement and for your student teaching you got to do your coaching so I started off as an assistant DB coach for the JV football team yeah mm-hmm. uh, I think three years ago now crazy well I guess this year four so four years ago now All right I started as assistant DB coach um Studied the playbook, studied everything. Wanted to know like the back of my hand because I wanted to be able to reciprocate it to the kids. Yeah. No doubt. Uh, the defensive coordinator that year was going through some family issues. So he asked me to step in and take over the role because he saw how much how dedicated it was to the process. And yeah. especially as a JV coach, that's not really, uh, that's not really common. Yeah. Because I didn't, I don't really view myself as a JV coach. I viewed myself as a varsity coach and trained. Yeah. So I just took it full steam. We ended up we had a pretty good year. Terrible say we lost the championship to Curtis, but yeah, it's um, always hard, oh, but, Curtis, yeah, too. but we got there and we, they played great. And I, I'll, that's, that's the team that graduated for me. So my first year, actually, it was kind of, it was crazy. That was a team that went to the championship last year and graduated. So like, those are my kids, you know? Oh, like uh, so you have uh, time oh, so, in and time out. Yeah, man, like, years those are my kids. Years. I have, they've, they've been there longer than me at that yeah. point, you know? So, uh, then next year. Coach Neves said, "All right, stop messing around. Come up." Uh, so I went to varsity. I was the assistant linebacker coach to a guy, um, Coach Martino, who was a great coach, awesome guy. Um, it was a little bit hard for me because I didn't want to step on any toes. Um, he was a little bit of, um, I guess you could say, like an old school type of guy. Yeah. I don't know. I don't necessarily think I'm a, no, a new school type of guy, but everybody has their own differences. Everybody has their own views. You know, um, we got along great, and you know I was. I was appreciative just to learn basically and i was able to learn from him i was able to learn from coach greg rocco who's i think now at um at st peter's and they they showed me what it kind of took what it kind of took to be a coordinator and what it kind of took to put all of the work how much time you really have to dedicate to high school football you know it's, a lot. it's time consuming completely it's extremely time consuming especially if you're Especially if you're bad at managing time. Yeah. Which I have to get real good at real fast.
2: And that's hard for people, too, to just get into the swing of things and really create a schedule for themselves.
1: No doubt. And that's why it was so beneficial for me to have somebody that I can look to who had a schedule for themselves. Because Coach Rocco is the assistant principal at Mm I-72. So he doesn't got time. He's got time to waste, you know. He's got a family at home. He's got to be alert for at all times. He can't be sitting at home watching film till 10 o'clock, you know. Uh, yeah. He's got to, when he leaves the, um, leaves Tottenville High School to confine with Tottenville, he's with his family. And that, that's that's the goal, right? You want to be able to spend time with your family and do what you love at the same time. Did you feel like
2: taking that big position really on the JV team, did you feel that was a big opportunity for you and they looked at that as like pretty big for
1: you? Yeah, no doubt. Like bring I you doubt. Up? And I 100%, I, I feel like I took that rope and ran with it. You know, I was able. I was again. I'm fresh out of college. I was playing four years. I, was, I ended up being a captain my senior year. Uh-huh. So I was. I was pretty. I was a pretty smart football player. I'd say my whole my whole life. So I was able to take the principles of my defense from college and apply them in the simplest form to the JV kids. And kudos to them, man. They killed it. Like they took everything and ran with it. I was able to pluck and place them in positions that they've never done before, and they were beasts. I because I, yeah. I knew they would be good in the situation. I knew they'd be yeah. great at it. And they trusted me to be able to place them in those spots and, you know, and be great. So, uh, yeah, I did. I definitely took that as an opportunity.
0: So, I mean, I know you're a coach, obviously, what, and a trainer. So what age do you really think that kids should start upping their training regimen and really start getting into weights and getting into more, yeah, well,
1: more it, stuff? It kind of depends on how you define training, right? I think kids can train. I mean, I train kids as early as, as sixth grade. But that's not mean that they're necessarily touching weights. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. So right now the goal of all sports and Coach Mahoney actually released a great podcast about it, it's called Bigger, Faster, Slower on his podcast station. You can't be big and necessarily fast at the same time if you're not a genetic freak yeah. almost, right? So it's real, real. And I shouldn't say you can't, it's really, really hard, Yeah. right? And now, with the goal of every sport now, to be faster, the yeah. other you know, Most more time than not, the guy that's running the 4-4 uh, four, four is getting a better look and is getting, really just making more plays than a guy that's big and strong and runs a uh, 5, yeah. you know? It's just, it's how the sports are nowadays. Everybody's fast. Speed you know, kills. Yeah, speed kills, no doubt. Speed kills. So, at those younger grades, they won't touch weights for me. They yeah. won't. And... If they do, it'll be something real, real simple. It'll yeah. be, you know, a goblet squat, a, a 10 pound goblet squat, and that's just to sink them into their squat more. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the stuff I'll do is I'll do a lot of body weight stuff. I'll teach you how to do a push up the right way, which is a very, very lost art nowadays. Um, we'll do a ton of plank variations that get our core jacked up, a lot of anti rotational stuff to get our body jacked up, get our core going. And, uh, and yeah, it's about creating the the total athlete more than just like the strength monster, you know. Mm. Especially at the young age, nobody knows what they are. Yeah, yeah. In sixth was... grade, in sixth grade, I thought I was going to the NFL. I thought I was going to Alabama. It's, <laughs> it's like you don't know what's going on, so you just got to try your best, and, and you know, and that's something I learned too. Because when I was younger, my brother, uh, my brother played at C. so my brother was a weight room freak as well, and he had me lifting. I was deadlifting like. 225 is like a 7th grader. And it was like, yeah, it's awesome. I was strong, and it's great. But was I slower? Yeah. I was definitely way slower because of it. Because I probably wasn't doing the right form. You know, i in 7th grade, I'm just happy to get the weight up. You know, I'm doing it in my basement. I'm not doing it with the proper barbell. I'm not doing, you know. I, yeah, just it's, doing it. I'm just doing <laughs> yeah. it. You know, I'm just lifting. And that's different. It's lifting weight and not moving weight, right? So you should always be trying to move weight fast, especially at the older ages, right? Because mm-hmm. not a lot of people care if I can bench press and it takes me 10 seconds to struggle, 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 and get that bench press up. As opposed to in football, my biggest explosion is here to here. And that's a fast motion. Yeah, Not a lot of times are you going like this in a football game, right? For those of you that are listening, I'm just moving my hands real, real slow out. Right? <laughs> that's not happening. So it's more about your explosiveness, more about uh, your speed than anything else.
0: So obviously we cover a lot of boxing and MMA. Do you have – I mean, those guys train intense, like crazily. Yeah, crazy. Do you have a favorite boxer or UFC guy that, that you watch from time to time? Anything like that? McGregor, Tyson type of guy?
1: I, I don't. Honestly, I, I never got into it. I never did. Um, one of the things actually when I was at Pee Wee's, we used to go to uh, – I think it was like DeMarco's gym. Mm-hmm. And we used to train in the basement, like that was always that was just always fun. But it was high intensity stuff. Yeah, yeah. right. It was always high intensity. Um, I don't, I don't, I never got into really the fighting game. Lie to
2: you. That's funny because uh, you mentioned the marcos. I worked there for like a while. Really? Yeah, I know Nicky uh, for no like way. a while, and I even used to fight for him for a few years and stuff like that. Oh wow! And even I also got like into boxing through football, like as well. So like, yeah. the, my like coaches threw me in there for the conditioning purposes and stuff like yes, that. Yes. And definitely. that's how I really got into it. I quit all my other sports and just kept boxing. Mm-hmm. Said fuck that.
1: And that's what happens a lot, right? Because it, it happens when you're you know, when you're a kid, you're, yeah. you're a three fourth sport athlete. Yeah. A lot of people are. Yeah. And then you narrow it down. You exactly know, like trial and error, you narrow it down. So something that you're really care. more passionate about the most. Yes. Yes.
0: So no boxing, no MMA, but you are a Chargers guy. Sadly, yes. So Obviously oh, really? Justin Herbert looks great. Future's looking a little bit bright, but what's the most like painful loss as a Chargers fan you've really endured? I mean, I know they're known recently for the, the late collapses. God,
1: there's so many.
0: What there's what, so what many. if you really had to pick one?
1: Not to throw you under here, but there's so many. It <laughs> really is. The one that really that sticks out to me was there's two, really. There's really two. And it's when I was younger was the fourteen and two year. Yeah. We went, we went 0 and two to start and then rattle of fourteen straight wins, which was ridiculous. Yeah. So that's Lt in his prime. That's Gates in his prime. That's Rivers pretty much getting to his prime. Yeah. As much of a prime that guy ever had. What year uh, is that like it is 0-6. I think it is oh six. That's Phil. I think it's 6 I think you're right. So he they they made it to the playoffs. They had the bye. Marty Schottenheimer he was a beast. He was, a, um, he was offensive mess one that was the year that LT went, run the, he the MVP. Record, right? He won the MVP and yeah. had a touchdown record. He was a monster. Yeah, Right? We have ridiculous offensive line. Get into a trot. Patriots beat the Wilds card round. Come down. Absolutely smack us. Yeah, Smack us. LT <laughs> and Herrick, Like, How is this possible?
2: I remember how- watching that game too. because I, I'm like an LT fan. Like when yeah. I was younger, like I was a big LT fan. I remember watching that in like my dad's firehouse and they just got sh- Smack! smoke and I was just like, "Wow! Like there goes Thomas <laughs> and <Smoke>. Super Bowl!" <laughs> like,
1: and you know what the worst part is? It's like there goes Ladainian Thomas and Ladainian Tomlinson yeah, Super Bowl opportunity. And at that point, the Chargers just gave him up. And yeah, was, was like, like a couple years later, him. they were just like, "Take him!" Like, you know what? You guys take him. He was the MVP he this year. Jet. But two years later, <laughs> you got it. Like, you keep them New York. Like, he's all yours. He was a beast on the Jets. Yeah, he
0: played well. He then. did good, good on, on the Jets. Jets.
1: They made
0: it. What they made it. Uh, they they made it, they made it to the what World The AFC Championship game and lost.
1: Yes. Yes. And he was the third down back and ended yeah. up being the third down back. And when Sean Green ended up being terrible. Yeah. The Sanchez. So that's one. Sean Green. I don't even. The know Sean Green stiff arm played, No, no I'm, no, I'm sorry. The Sean Green didn't get tackled by like Cromartie. Yeah, I, I know it's <laughs> up there. That's pretty shitty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the most, and this is why, because it's against the Patriots. It's recent. And it was just completely like demoralized <laughs> to watch. Was we made it to the wild card round? Like beat the wild card round. It was a couple years ago. I forget the year. It might have been like three years ago. We get there. We get to the which one, The divisional round. Playing the Patriots. They come out. They score first drive. It was the year that Sony Michelle was a rookie.
0: I know what you're talking about right. Yep.
1: So they came down the field, just ran the ball down our throats. We thought we were so cool because we stopped Lamar Jackson the round before. Yeah. And because we played the entire game with four D-line and then, what was it, uh, 7 DBs on the field. Yeah. Because realistically, we just don't have anyone else to play. Everyone was hurt. So we thought we were the coolest defense ever. We get there. They are running the ball down our throat in the most methodical, and just disrespect the man.
0: They went and ran the it all over. Time. That's classic, Bill Belichick.
1: Like, <laughs> Belichick saw they like, they're literally, they don't have any linebackers left. I'm going to put 10 of uh, nine or 10 offensive linemen on the field and just run. And just run and run and run. And that's exactly what they did to the point where it was like 21 to seven in the first half. And then they rattled over another 21 in the third quarter. Yeah, rough. <laughs> and it's just like you're watching it and it's slow torture.
2: I can't even talk because, like, Drew, like yeah, my, Drew I'm Lock, a God. Broncos fan, and Drew Locke's just dancing and not throwing touchdowns. Oh,
1: like, I can't even. Yeah. It's mean, <laughs> really yeah, That really covers it on Drew Locke. That's pretty good. That's <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> yeah, Drew Locke's got a – I, I thought it was actually going to be pretty good. That's what I, what had I thought. A of, I had a lot of, like,
0: I have him.
2: faith in him.
1: But yeah, – well, they'll probably bump him in that this
0: year. But, uh, next year. yeah, I mean – before we wrap this up, Justin Herbert's the goat. Justin Herbert's gonna be stud, man. Yeah, you, you had it right.
1: You told me from the very beginning you like Herbert's a great player. I, I, I would love I to. I was very very nervous. I thought he was. Hang um,
0: my hat on that, but Joe, I appreciate you very much for coming on.
1: Really, awesome, really man, enjoyed yeah, the episode, yeah, yeah, man. Headstrong Fitness,
0: man. Gotta follow it. Get involved.
1: Yeah. Uh, one
2: more.